Good morning, friends. It's good to be with you today. Let's begin today by turning in the back of our hymnals and reciting a psalm together. Seems like a good thing to do. Let's go to um, page 821. We'll recite a portion of Psalm 103 together. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Heavenly Father, indeed, we give you thanks and praise this morning. We seek um, to bless you today, Father. with our presence, with our love, with our um, um, offering of ourselves up to you. Um, We uh, trust, Father, um, as we worship together in an hour that you will um, gather us, that you will receive us, that you will receive our praise and our worship. And we thank you for your loving kindness, for your steadfast love, um, for your graciousness, um, even as this psalm uh, reminds us. Uh, Father, this morning as we prepare for worship, we pray your presence be with us by your Spirit as we think about the Psalms together this morning. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Um, So today is um, a new introduction to a new series in our Sunday School class together. Um, Today I'm just going to kind of be introducing the topic, the Psalms in general, helping us talk about them some. And then starting next week, I'm very excited about this, um, Paul Buckley, our church musician, who um, came on staff in February of this year, 
um, is going to be using the next four weeks, the next four Sundays, um, to instruct us in actually learning to sing the Psalms in some new ways. Um, Paul has uh, worked on singing the Psalms for a number of years, um, uh, decades really, and is currently part of a group called Theopolis, an um, uh, organization out of Birmingham, Alabama, um, that one of their objects is to teach people how to sing the Psalms. Um, they think it's that important for the renewal of the church generally. And so Paul regularly goes around to different parts of the country um, to instruct churches and do workshops over a weekend on a Friday and Saturday in psalm singing. And so essentially what he'll be doing is taking that workshop and doing it here with us over the next four Sundays. So it's going to be interactive. It's going to be, you know, we're going to be singing together, actually doing that, uh, using our voices in a different kind of way um, during our school hour. And the goal, the hope, is that uh, we're going to be learning this so that we can begin to do it some in our morning worship um, so that we can learn to sing the psalms together um, as we worship God. And um, so I'm excited about that. I'm delighted um, that we're going to have the opportunity to learn this with Paul. I think it's going to be good for us as a church. Um, it's going to be certainly uh, something new, um, but we have done a lot of new things together over the last nine years in our worship, and I'm grateful for how um, we have grown together as we've learned uh, new hymns, as we've learned new uh, ways of doing the liturgy, um, new ways of doing the Lord's Supper, um, that God has been kind to us and has blessed us at each step, and I'm hopeful and confident um, that he'll do that with this as well. Um, so today, just to introduce this topic, I just want to talk some about the Psalms themselves and why we think they're so important um, uh, in the life of our church. As, I, as you all probably know by now, um, I've been here nine years, and certainly one of my desires is to put the Psalms as uh, one of the, the, the central practices of the spiritual life of our church, to make the Psalms central um, to our spirituality um, as members of Colleyville Presbyterian Church. Um, and, and we do that in a number of ways, right? We do that in our worship. Um, we do that um, um, in the liturgy, um, for example. Um, we do that, um, the liturgy is full of the psalms as you look at the order of worship each week. Uh, the call to worship, um, often the words of, from the scripture that um, remind us of our forgiveness in Christ. Um, other uh, portions of the liturgy are just simply the psalms being used responsively. Um, one of the ways that we've done this as a church, you know, put the, the Psalms at the center of our life is that we have, um, for the last seven summers or so, eight summers or so, gone through the Psalms consecutively, uh, beginning with one and, and going all the way up to 76. And of course, we spent one summer in the Psalms of Ascent as well. Um, and, and that has been, I mean, I don't know what that's been like for you all, but for me, that has been a remarkable practice for myself personally, because it's forced me um, to explore each of the psalms, right? Um, not just gravitate towards the ones that are, um, are, are more easy or palatable or attractive, but to go to each psalm, the corners of the Psalter, and see the kinds of spiritual of emphases that the psalms themselves um, put um, for us um, to, as we grasp and wrestle and think about God and who he is. Um, so those are some of the things we've done with the Psalms. Of course, we've also um, taught on the Psalms in various occasions. Um, we've used um, the Psalms in uh, praying them responsively in worship. Um, we've prayed them responsively in our Bible studies. We have morning prayer now on Wednesday and Fridays. We've done that for about three or four years now. Um, and at the center of that uh, prayer time is responsively praying the Psalms. Um, we publish daily readings, right, um, that um, have us going through the Psalter as a church about 
um, once every two months. Um, so the Psalms are just, we're just trying to get them into the warp and woof of our uh, life together, our, um, our connection with one another, what, it, what we believe it means to relate and pray to God. Um, so as we start this, I just want to kind of have some discussion with you all, hopeful that you'll be willing to, to talk with me um, about these things. And, and so at the top of your handout, I've got some quotes I want to work through from some teachers on the Psalms that I've really appreciated, um, Athanasius and Calvin and Luther, and we'll talk about those in a few minutes. But, but first, I just want to have a time of kind of open discussion um, with some of these discussion questions. I, I'm curious, as we've, as we've saturated ourselves in the Psalms now for some time as a church, um, what effect has that had, right? What, how is that working? Is that um, having some kind of fruit in your life? And so, what do the Psalms mean to you? Let's just start there. What do you love about the Psalms? What do the Psalms mean to you and what do you love about them? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Old Testament narrative does not, as opposed to modern narrative, emphasize the interior feelings or emotions or life of the individual. And you're right, the Psalms do color in a lot of that um, for the Old Testament, David particularly. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I love that. So during the day, we're sort of occupied with the things that um, seem important um, because of the, the sort of tyranny of the urgent or whatever it is um, that we have before us, um, what, uh, whatever other people are saying to us or, or calling us to look at and consider. And the praying the Psalms morning and evening, particularly evening, yeah, is a way of, of recalibrating um, our life with God and, and being directed towards um, who he is and his heart um, and what is truly important. I appreciate that. Yeah, James.
So this isn't necessarily a psalm you went looking for, but a psalm you just happened to be praying that day. <laughs> Some like, 40, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, kind of tactile connection to the Lord. Uh, and I love how you put that, James, in terms of praying the Psalms gives articulation to the desires of my heart. Um, and I suspect what you mean by that is not only the desires that are already there, but they train your desires. They help you learn what to desire um, as you pray them. Yeah, yeah, and those images from the Psalms that stick with us, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's so much there that we can carry with us as we think about the Lord. Yeah, Derwin. Sure, it's okay. Yeah, it teaches us to praise, to give thanks to God um, as his people. Yeah, Eric. Yeah. Uh, you know, all those things are very, I love like thinking about things like that. But um, when I think about the Psalms more recently, it's the life of our church and how we're seemingly um, just having a ministry of the Psalms uh, kind of to make up what seems to be lacking in a lot of maybe the Protestant churches uh, or some of them in the pulpit have kind of lost Mm-hmm. Uh, provide a, a, an apologetic for 
easier to benefit the the tra- uh, the tractor than it was when when Chris came back in and and they uh, that you know when trying to grapple with the most difficult parts of YS they found some you know essentially sensors because they didn't like the sound and sure. that doesn't seem to fit in this you know Jesus and love of God and right. No, I appreciate that, Eric. So Eric's talking about um, how his life with the Psalms is connected to our church's life with the Psalms, and we are, we are, and that's exactly what we're trying to do as a church: is restore the Psalms to where they have been historically for the people of God. Um, um, certainly in um, biblical times, um, certainly in um, the early church, medieval church. Um, uh, one of the things of the Reformation, and we'll see this with um, Calvin and Luther in these quotes. Um, they wanted so deeply to restore the psalms to the people and, and, and to give them the psalms in the vernacular, right? Give them the psalms in French or in German um, so that they could sing them and pray them and have them. Um, and yeah, we want to do that. So that's what we're seeking to do, to put the psalms back there. Yeah, Matt. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're not alone. I'm not the only one feeling this way. Right. And I was talking to a girl who was reading the book the other night, and in the story, the main character <coughs> is believing a lie, and it's this huge lie that she believes that we live in this in this spot that we can't just seem to spiral downward. Mm. And then his friends come and approach him, and one line that the main character says, why do you tell me about this? I can relate to this. I'm the one person that doesn't feel like this way. And immediately, yeah. And so there's just something about the, the connection of the psalms and the psalms to other believers that say you're not the only one who feels this way. You're not alone in feeling this way. Absolutely. It's fascinating to think that the psalms for 3,000 years have been read and prayed by the people of God um, and used to, f- to express their own experiences. And that's happening around the world today, right? Um, perhaps... Um, you or I are not facing violence um, um, because of our faith, but people in the church are today. And so when we pray the Psalms, we pray them in unity with the body of Christ around the world. Um, and we, yeah, it, it clarifies our own experiences to have that um, shared communion. Yeah, Tama. Yes. Yeah, Psalms have historically functioned that way as a way of um, strengthening our faith and our resolve um, to walk in the way of of the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Um, When did the Psalms begin to become important to you? I'm curious about this, especially, well, any of you. Um, You know, some of you um, obviously have grown up in the church as as long as you can remember. Some of you are uh, more recently in the church. When did the Psalm, what, what, do you think back of your life, like when, when did you really begin to think about the Psalms as a significant part, significant thing? Yeah, Terry. Yeah? 
Yeah. Was it like exclusively somnity? Was it like exclusive somnity? Okay, that's fine. Doesn't matter. They sang it all the time. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. I love that. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's great, Terry. I, I, that's a great testimony. How many? How long ago was that? That's awesome. That's beautiful. Fifty years. That's great. What else? When did the Psalms become important to you as you think about your life as a Christian in the church? Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. Sure. I love that. It's a great testimony. Yeah. That, no, I understand. No, it's, it's a little portion of it in terms of the Psalms. Though, that's great. Anyone else? When did the Psalms begin to become important to you? How did that happen? Yeah, Donovan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Was it? Yeah. That just came up just through the instruction of not only the bed, but so that I would not be in ignorant sense of the movement of motion and things like that. Yeah. And so it just kind of came up. Yeah, that picture, right? To the point of yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that, Terry. And then. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't think they're Yeah, I love that picture of it's one thing to say your sins are forgiven, it's another to say your sins are taken from you as far as the east is from the west. It's one thing to say God loves you, it's another thing to say the Lord is your shepherd, right? Um gives you these these tangible images to I love how that shaped you as an early Christian. To think about the Lord in those ways. What else? Anyone else want to share about there?
relation with the Psalms over the years when they became important to you, how that happened? Anybody? Yeah, Esther. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Would you? I love that. I love that. Any ones in particular? 84? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh-huh. That's beautiful. So as a teenager, you would memorize them? No, 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 I understand. I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Well, what are... Let's, um, what are some of your favorite psalms? I'm curious about this. Probably many of us have a sort of, you know, top five or so um, psalms that we gravitate towards or mean something to us in particular. What are some of your favorite psalms or some of the favorite lines that you have from the psalms? Yeah, Derwin. You can use your Bible. It's fine. Sure, right. Yeah, that psalm, Psalm 1, gateway of the Psalter, right, asks the question essentially, where is the source of your life? Um, and... Um, and says there are two options, right? There's the way of walking in the way of the Lord or walking against and outside of him the way of wickedness. Um, there are two paths, um, which is, yeah, it's such a clarifying vision of how life really is. What else? What are some of your other, what are some favorite psalms or favorite lines from the psalms? Anybody want to share? Yes, ma'am. Alyssa. Just thinking about where the Lord puts us in our lives. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I love that. That's yes, that psalm speaks so wonderfully of God's sovereignty and his provision for his people, his faithfulness to us. I love that you can just quote that and say, This is good for me. Right. Yep. Putting us where we're supposed to be. 
The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed. Yeah, James. That's fine. Can you say anything about that? Why that's meaningful to you? That's such a psalm. I love Psalm 16. It's definitely part of my inner circle. Um, and yeah, that line about the uh, desires of our heart, the way that joy and pleasure is found um, in God alone, ultimately. Um, man, if you really embrace that, right, if you take that on, that's something that will transform your life. Um, I appreciate that, James. Yeah, Tama. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, Psalm 22, man. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, of course, fascinating. Psalm 22 is quoted by Jesus on the cross, but as you see it, it's this not just this. It's not the psalm of of um, doubt. It's a psalm of faith. It's a psalm of triumph and victory, which says something about what Jesus was doing there. Um, yes, um, Jeremy. That's not cheating. Why is that cheating? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to like read it all to us now, that would be. Yeah. The discontent, right. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, then the Psalms do that. They they, they take our interior life seriously um, in ways that help us remember that, um, you know, nothing that we're experiencing is, is unique to ourselves. Um, a, there's a common experience in being human, being made in God's image, living in a world that has fallen, um, 
and the Psalms give articulation of those things in profound ways. And they shape us, right? They're not just a sort of private prayer journal where we encountered or something, but they're actually given to us by the Spirit. Um, these, these are appropriate ways for you to speak about yourself. All right, let's do maybe one more. Um, anybody else want to share a favorite psalm or line from the psalms? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get to you in a second, Tr- Tama. Go ahead, Trudy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Psalm 27. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah, that's such an amazing, amazing psalm. I love that. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Yep. Of him shall I be afraid. I love that. That's all right. King James is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, it's, it's great to hear you all talk about your love for the Psalms, how they've impacted you. Um, I want to spend a few minutes this morning just giving you, um, introducing you to some three quotations that have been significant for me as I have understood the Psalms and thought about their importance. Um, you know, take home this handout, you can look over it and in detail, but just want to read you these and just think about them for a moment. So Athanasius was a church father, um, lived in the um, fourth century, um, and he has this document called Letter to Marcellinus, which is a fascinating uh, letter. It's about 9,000 words, so it's a kind of a long essay or short book. And um, it's all about the Psalms and their interpretation. And it's really, I think, an incredibly valuable document and would commend it to you um, as a resource for thinking about the Psalms. Um, It's certainly been important for me um, as a pastor to think about uh, what Athanasius says there. So um, the the letter is written by Athanasius towards the end of his life to a younger um, uh, Christian and um, he's, descri- he's basically commending him the Psalms as um, a pathway to his spiritual life with God. And Athanasius says this in that letter. He says, among all the books of the scriptures, the Psalter has certainly a very special grace, a choiceness of quality well worthy to be pondered. For besides the characteristics with it shares with others, it has this peculiar marvel of its own that within it are represented and portrayed in all their great variety, the movements of the human soul. So I think that gets at some of what we're talking about here, right? The way that the Psalms describe um, the movements of our souls. It is like a picture, the Psalter is like a picture in which you see yourself portrayed and seeing may understand and completely form yourself upon the pattern given. And I love the way he talks about that, right? You're not only seeing yourself in the words, there's also a pattern of speaking to God that you're conforming to, that you're bringing yourself into uh, submission to, to some extent, as you learn to pray this way. Elsewhere in the Bible, you read only that the law commands this or that to be done. You listen to the prophets to learn about the Savior's coming 
or you turn to the historical books to learn the doings of the kings and holy men. But in the Psalter, besides all these things, you learn about yourself. I think it's fascinating to think that people were writing like that in the fourth century, right? You learn in the Psalms about yourself. You find depicted in it all the movements of your soul, all its changes, its ups and downs, its failures and recoveries. And certainly the Psalms include these things, right? Triumphs of praise and also um, words of confusion um, and complaint. Moreover, whatever your particular need or trouble, from this same book you can select a form of words to fit it so that you do not merely hear and then pass on, but learn the way to remedy your ill. St. Paul says, tribulation worketh endurance, and endurance experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, Romans 5. But it is in the Psalms that we find written and described how afflictions should be borne, and what the afflicted ought to say, both at the time and when his troubles cease. The whole process of his testing is set forth in them, and we are shown exactly with what words to voice our hope in God. I mean, that's profound what he's saying there, right? Paul assures us that our afflictions, as we bear them, um, will lead to comfort and maturity and hope. Uh, but the Psalms, he's saying, give us language when we're in the midst of our afflictions to know how we ought to bear them so that they will have that kind of outcome, uh, both when we're in the midst of them and after the process of testing is over. They give us the words to speak praise to God as well. Or take the commandment, in everything give thanks, 1 Thessalonians 5. The Psalms not only exhort us to be thankful, they also provide us with fitting words to say, right? They don't just tell us to thank God, they tell us how to thank God or what to thank God for or the kinds of things to, um, that we should, we should adore him uh, with, our words. We are told too by other writers that all who would live godly in Christ must suffer, suffer persecution, 2 Timothy 3. And here again, the Psalms supply words with which both those who flee persecution and those who suffer under it may suitably address themselves to God. And it does the same for those who have been rescued from it. We are bidden elsewhere in the Bible also to bless the Lord and to acknowledge him. Here in the Psalms, we're shown the way to do it and with what sorts of words. His majesty may, be, may meetly, may rightly be confessed. In fact, under all the circumstances of life, we shall find that these divine songs suit ourselves and meet our own soul's need at every turn. There's not a day of your life, I think Athanasius is saying, when you can't go to the Psalms and find yourself, right? Find words to suit your occasion, your circumstance, not only as a mirror, but as a pattern um, for the way that you speak to God. Any thoughts about that quote from Athanasius? Anything there jumps out? Well, I, I would commend that whole document to you, friends. I think it's a really um, useful, you can just Google it on the internet and find it for free and download it in 30 seconds, um, um, you know. A lot of not great things about the internet, but that's a good thing. Um, 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 stuff like that's instantly available. Um, so John Calvin, um, one of the things that he, um, his legacy, of course, is not simply the institutes of Christian religion, which is sort of his 
um, expression of theology, but his maybe even more importantly in some ways um, was his were his commentaries and sermons on the scriptures. Um, Calvin um, taught the Bible um, six days a week, um, five days um, during um, the week, and then uh, twice on Sunday. Um, and so all of that was taken and used and trans, you know, recorded um, in different ways um, into books of commentaries and sermons that he has. And, and one of his most famous commentaries is on the Psalms. Um, he really wanted to produce an entire commentary on the Psalms. Um, and it was significant at the time in the 1500s, continues to be today. It's a wonderful resource. Um, so in his preface, when the, his commentary on the Psalms were first published in, in um, uh, French, I believe, um, uh, 1557, um, he gave an, an introduction, a preface to it. He says, I have been accustomed to call this book, I think not inappropriately, an anatomy of all parts of the soul. And that's a fascinating image that he uses, right? Um, the book of Psalms is like a book of anatomy, except not your physical body so much as your soul um, that it describes and, and gives a picture of. For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. So he uses a similar picture as Athanasius. Or rather the Holy Spirit has here drawn to the life all the griefs, sorrows, fears, doubts, hopes, cares, perplexities, in short, all the distracting emotions with which the minds of men are wont to be agitated. And the other parts of scriptures contain the commandments which God enjoined his servants to announce to us, but here the prophets themselves, seeing they are exhibited to us as speaking to God and laying open all their inmost thoughts and affections, call, or rather draw, each of us to the examination of himself in particulars, in order that none of the many infirmities to which we are subject and of the many vices to which we abound may remain concealed. So the Psalms draw out from us how we're truly feeling. They give us um, license um, to really examine that. They call us into it. It is certainly a rare and singular advantage when all lurking places are discovered and the heart is brought into the light. Think about First John, right? Coming to the light purged from that most baneful infection, hypocrisy. The most dangerous thing of all, right, um, spiritually speaking, is hypocrisy, right? It's not um, other things that we might think of as being dangerous. It's hypocrisy. That's the most dangerous thing in your life spiritually. And he said the Psalms expose us and, and, and go do away with hypocrisy. In short, as calling upon God is one of the principal means of securing our safety, that is prayer, and as a better and more unerring rule for guiding us in this exercise cannot be found elsewhere in the Psalms. It follows that in proportion to the proficiency which a man shall have attained in understanding them will be his knowledge of the most important part of celestial doctrine. I mean, that's remarkable, right? John Calvin, reformer, all the things, right? Um, he says, what you need to know really to be a faithful Christian, mature, is the Psalms in terms of the scriptures. This is really where um, you will become um, like Christ. This is really where you will grow, right? He's not commending the Pauline epistles here. He's commending the Psalter. That doesn't mean he doesn't think Paul's writings are important. He does, of course. But he's saying, if you really want to learn um, the celestial doctrine, um, you need to learn the Psalms. 
Uh, Genuine and earnest prayer, Calvin goes on, proceeds first from a sense of our need and next from faith in the promises of God. It is by perusing these inspired compositions that men will be most effectually awakened to a sense of their maladies and at the same time instructed in seeking remedies for their cure. In a word, whatever may serve to encourage us when we are about to pray to God is taught us in this book. Any thoughts about what Calvin has to say there? Yeah, Derwin. Heavenly doctrine, the doctrine of heaven, the teaching of God. It's just a fancy way of saying that. Learning about God and his ways. Anything else? Any other thoughts or questions or comments about Calvin there? Yes. With ourselves and with God. And right. That it's guarding against hypocrisy because we're learning to act through honesty and speak through the thought of how we should navigate our own souls. Right. Yes, and we need all the Psalms to do that, right? Um, not just um, the ones that we maybe might gravitate towards um, that that's we need the psalms that are difficult, the psalms that um, talk about um, anger, talk about confusion, right? Um, and I think that's part of what he's saying there. The psalms that call us out of our sin. Think about Psalm 73, you know, that so well describes that, that the danger of pride and anger and blindness. And then, you know, the psalmist talks about how I went into the house of the Lord and I saw anew. And, and there's that, even that movement in that psalm from hypocrisy to um, to purity of heart, uh, which is so necessary. Yeah. Anything else? Other thoughts about Calvin? Anybody? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. Yeah, something to think about. All right, let me give you this quote from Luther. I'm just trying to, these things, these are just three doctors of the church, teachers of the church, right, who, who loved the Psalms um, and thought they were so important. Luther, one of the things that he did very early on in the Reformation was uh, translate the scriptures and the New Testament and then the Psalms um, were the first things he tackled. Um, so 1522, right, not long after um, um, the door, um, he publishes a, a Psalter um, in German. And he writes a preface to it. He says, and the whole preface is worth your reading. This is some selections. The Psalter should be precious to us if only, and and just think about this for a moment, right? For the first time, German people are going to read the Psalms in their vernacular language, right? Um, That's remarkable to think about, um, that they didn't have access to the Psalms before that, um, and now they do. I mean, this is just going to be, world-shattering, and it was, of course. Um, The Psalter, Luther says, should be precious to us if only because it most clearly promises the death and resurrection of Christ and describes his kingdom and the nature and standing of all Christian people. I love this. He says, it could be well entitled a little Bible, um, since everything contained in the entire Bible is beautifully and briefly comprehended and compacted into a manual. It seems to me that as if that 
as if the Holy Ghost had been pleased to take upon himself the trouble of putting together a short Bible, touching the whole of Christianity, in order that they who are unable to read the whole Bible may nevertheless find almost the whole sum comprehended in one little book. The psalm is the very paragon of books. I love that picture, right? In the psalms we have, he says, all 150 psalms, the entirety of the scriptures summarized and contained. Um, they teach us about Christ. They teach us about God and his creation. They teach us about his sovereignty. They teach us about our sin and God's grace. They teach us about the eschaton, what we look forward to in terms of the hope of resurrection. All the things that the Bible teaches are, are contained, he says, in the Psalms in a most beautiful and perfect way. And I think that's true, personally. That there's no other book in the scriptures that, um, can, that has all of the whole Christian doctrine and faith um, that the Jews teach so well contained as the Psalms. The human heart is like a ship on a stormy sea driven about by winds blowing from all four corners of heaven. It's quite a picture. The book of Psalms is full of heartfelt utterances made during storms of this kind. Where can one find nobler words to express joy than in the Psalms of praise or gratitude? There you will see what fine and pleasant flowers the heart spring up from all sorts of fair and happy thoughts towards God because of his blessings. On the other hand, where do you find deeper, more sorrowful, more pitiful words of sadness than in the Psalms of lamentation? Luther is like this, right? He would go from one pole to the other. There again, you look into the hearts of all the saints as into death, as yes, into hell itself. How gloomy and dark it is there with all kinds of troubled forebodings about the wrath of God. So too, when they speak of fear and hope, they use such words that no painter could so depict for you fear or hope and no other orator so to portray them. I think this is getting at some of what we were talking about before in terms of the, the, the pictures that the psalm gives us of, of God and what it means to be human and what it means to live in this world, the metaphors and similes. It is therefore easy to understand why the book of Psalms is the favorite book of all the saints, or he just takes it as a given, right? If you're a serious Christian, the Psalms will be your favorite book. Um, For every man on every occasion, you can find in it Psalms which fit his needs, which he feels to be as appropriate as if they had been set there just for his sake. And I love that. How many times have you read a Psalm and been like, oh, this is just for me, right? Um, This is a perfect summation of of my experience. Um, And of course, um, many have felt the same way. And no other book can he find words equal to them nor better words. Place the book of Psalms in front of you. You will see your own self in it. So again, that image of the Psalms is a mirror. For here is the true know thyself by which you can know yourself as well as the God who created all things. When these words please a man and fit his case, he becomes sure that he is in the communion of saints. This gets back to what Matt was saying earlier. There's a a commonality of praying the Psalms, that we fit into the larger story of God and his people over the centuries and even today. And that it has gone with all the saints, so it goes with him, since they all sing with him one song, right? We're all praying the Psalms together with Augustine, with Athanasius, with Calvin, with Luther, uh, with the saints um, in history and around the world today. It is especially so if he can speak these words to God as they have done. This can only be done by faith. There is in the Psalter security and a well-tried guide so that in it one can follow all the saints without peril. For it teaches you in joy, fear, hope, and sorrow to think and speak as all the saints have thought or spoken. I mean, that's so well put, right? The Psalms are teaching us uh, to be like the saints of Christendom. 
Every Christian who would abound in prayer and piety ought to make the Psalter his manual. Everything that a pious heart can desire to ask in prayer, it here finds psalms and words to match so aptly and sweetly that no man nor all the men in the world should be able to devise forms of words so good and devout. In my opinion, this is a great quote, any man who will but make a trial in earnest of the Psalter, and that's what we've been trying to do as a church for some time now, right? To make a trial in earnest of the Psalter, all the Psalter, all the Psalms, to use them, to help them form our prayers and our life and our spiritual life with God. Any man he does, who does this, he says, will very soon bid the other pious prayers adieu and say, ah, they have not the sap, the strength, the heart, the fire that I find in the Psalter. They are too cold, too hard for my taste. And um, I love that, right? Praying the Psalms will ruin us in terms of other shallow ways of speaking to God. Um, they will cause us to desire um, to speak to God um, with maturity, with wisdom, um, with depth. And, and there's nothing like the Psalms for that. All right, friends, with that, um, we will conclude today. Come back next Sunday. We'd love to have all of you here. This is a great turnout this morning. And um, be ready to learn from Paul and to grow together as we continue to, to take on the Psalms and trust that they'll uh, continue to shape us as a congregation, as individuals, as families, all of those things. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for this uh, little Bible that you've given us. We pray, Father, that you would help us to continue to grow in our appreciation, um, not just um, and in the abstract, but also in the uh, gritty details of our lives. Father, teach us to pray the Psalms, to sing the Psalms, um, to have them at the heart of our life with you um, as a church and as uh, men and women and children. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.